0: What up, y'all? Welcome back to Love & Grit. I'm Laia. And I'm Justin. And we're going to listen back to three interviews today to celebrate the beginning of June, which is LGBTQ yeah. month. And Black
1: Music Month.
0: And it also kicks off the summer, let's be honest. So this is the best of, best of love and grit. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> which means that the three folks, yes, we said three folks, that we're going to have on the show today, honey, are literally three of the best that definitely define what we are celebrating this month. We are starting out with Vincent, who joined us season one, right, Justin?
0: Yes, and has just blown up. I mean, is playing very large stages in big cities now. I love that for him. And remember, we had him on. He had sung the theme song song. for Queer Eye when they were in Philly.
1: Yes, yes. And he had just moved to California to, like, really start his his career popping. And now... It's popped. It's popping. I love it. Along with him, we have somebody who's opened that door for him. We are talking about Billy's own Deanna Williams, the mother and the reason for Black Music Month. I always
0: love talking to Deanna. She just centers me.
1: Yes. Yes. That voice is very centering and
0: soothing and smart.
1: She's just so smart. Oh, speaking of smart, one of our smartest guests from season two, one of our proudest of the coalition. And has worked so hard. Yes, 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 Sharice McGill.
0: She was just on the Today Show with her French toast bites. You can buy them on all those fun places where you have to get out this summer and spend time on the Delaware River and taste some French toast bites. And she's built an empire
1: from this. And we can say we knew her when. I love that about our show, that's what we do. The Loving Brick Collective. We love our people. Yes, we do. All right, so come and get some of this best stuff. OK, so Vincent definitely looks like a star. But it's the voice that gives him burgeoning icon status, which is why he was a finalist on The Four, was asked to write and sing that beautiful theme song for season five of Queer Eye, and is definitely deep in your marrow. And he's from Philly.
2: It's insane. It's so funny. When they reached out about having me be a part of the project, I didn't know that the season was going to be in Philadelphia. They had no idea that I was from Philadelphia. They had just reached out because they had heard my music. And they were like, cool, we would love to use one of your songs. And I had just released an EP. And they were like, we love these songs, but we would love something unreleased if, if you could. And I was like, if you give me a day, I could write a song. And Wow. You wrote it in a day? Yeah.
3: You're like, doesn't everyone?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but also, I went to school. I went to Berklee College of Music. So like if I wasn't going to be able to do that in a day, then I am in a lot of debt for no reason. But I got the chance to write the song and I wrote it and they they loved it. And then it kind of went from there. Oh my goodness. Is this changing your life? It's been incredible. My EP release, and I got, I want to say on the first day, maybe 20,000 streams. And with Queer Eye, I think within the first two hours, it was like 50,000 streams. Wow. And because they're so involved and Netflix as well has been so adamant about pushing me as an artist on their platform. It's just blown up and it's been the most incredible release that I think that I've had.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. So I just did a whole bunch of Vincent Krammen and now I need to know all your business and all about your life because (laughs) I need to know your Philly story. Like, I need to
2: know where you grew up, what school you went to. Like, I just, can you just give it to me in short? Yeah, I'll give you like the Cliff Notes version. Well, I'm from 33rd and Diamond, uh, North Philly. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's a good neighbor. Um, yeah, a good a good piece of Philly. I went to <laughs> I was in Catholic school from kindergarten until twelfth grade. I went to Saint John de Porres, twenty third in Lehigh, okay, and then the I went to Roman Catholic at Broad and Vine. <laughs> I went to college in Boston right after high school, and then I moved to LA about five years ago. I'm curious as to how you're keeping it light at times because
1: as we were getting prepared for this interview with you, I started feeling heavy on the thought of like, wow, like Vincent is connected to all of the heaviness and the celebration that we are experiencing this week from the heaviness of being a black person, being a black man, to the heaviness of what happened to Iyana, Dior in Minneapolis, to the yeah. celebration of Black Music Month and the celebration of Pride Month. Like, yeah. woo, that's,
0: And it's yeah. amazing in LA, the Pride March is becoming a Black Lives Matter protest.
2: I mean, it, it would make sense since we, we're the reason they can do it. Talk about it, Vincent. Like, if TST people of color and trans people of color in general, in specific, started it. You wouldn't have a pride parade without the riots that were started. You wouldn't have this right to celebrate and get together had you, had we and people who look like me and our trans brothers and sisters fought for that right for you to be so free. So it makes sense. And that's, I think it should all, all preparation should start that way. That's yeah. how all your pride should start. It should start before the celebration. Remember the fight. So that celebration means more.
3: It's the same thing we say, whether it's Juneteenth or Black Music Month, it's year round, it's every day. And you said yeah. it beautifully because, you know, folks are living this every day. Yeah.
2: I don't stop being black and I don't stop being gay after the month is up, after February or June. That's just not how it works, you know? Mm -hmm. And that needs to be said all year round. So it's in the forefront of people's minds. There are people out here in the world who are adamantly working to change what's going on. It's not all depression and sadness. And I think that kind of gets lost in the mix because when things like this become a trending topic, then it is shared beyond belief and it causes a great deal of trauma for African-Americans because people who are just now seeing this are like we need to share this we want you to know we want you to see it and it's like no we see it every day because we live it and we know what it looks like and sometimes I think that overwhelms people to the point where they need to desensitize and they can't really or don't really want to relate to it because it causes too much trauma in their lives and so it was a joyful thing to celebrate George Floyd and Brianna and see who they were and understand their lives and talk about them with others and educate people on why we are out here, as opposed to being seen as rioters. Let me ask you:
1: as an artist, I'm curious. As an artist, uh, a man from Philadelphia, like, how, what have you taken from Philly and brought with you to LA? As a sense of, I don't know, like artist development. Like, this is something that I only got because I'm from this
2: town. Yeah, well, the the greatest thing I've learned because my dad was a singer. He was in a uh, gospel group, and that's how I learned how to sing and where I got all of my talent and ideas and things from. And so. He would take me around to different venues in Philadelphia. And the thing I learned more than anything from Philadelphia venue owners and Philly crowds is that just because you tell me no doesn't mean I can't do it. You know, just because you tell me that I may not be able to do this doesn't mean it's no, no, no. You think I can't do it. That's a you problem. I know I can do it so I will and so that for me like I think Philly gave me a backbone and Mm -hmm. if you're from Philadelphia you know exactly what I mean Mm -hmm. they want to know what you got to offer and if it's good and if you believe that it's good and that for me gave me such a confidence at a young age and I kind of travel with that wherever I go now
3: so when you first heard of Love and Grit or when you think about the name how do you think that relates to Philadelphia and what is represented as a region as citizens you know Love and Grit what does that mean to you
2: I think it's the perfect name, honestly, and it describes Philadelphia to the T because it's Philly is the place of brother and sisterly love. What I love about Philadelphia more than anything is we will fight for what we believe in. It's a kind of fellowship that you don't know anywhere else, or at least that I haven't experienced anywhere else, is that when we are fighting for a genuine cause and a cause that we all care about, we are together in it. We're together. Now, you may see us as something else, but I can promise you that we are all in this together. You may not think that we are all together because mm. sometimes we divide each other, but mm-hmm. what you see in front of you is a united front. And that's love and grit, you know what I mean? That's having the love for each other and it's also having the grit and the knowledge of like, we're not gonna take no for an answer. We're not gonna back down. It's just not what we're about. That's awesome.
3: I love that.
2: My new friend. Tell us where we can follow you. <laughs> if you follow B-I-N-C-I-N-T, I'm the first one and I'm the only one that pops up on anything.
1: Hey this is DJ Jazzy Jeff check me out on the Love and Grit podcast because I'm not She's been a media personality for over 40 years. She is the person celebrities call when their mouths get them in trouble. She is the inspiration behind some of your favorite Sound of Philadelphia songs, and she is the reason Black Music Month is recognized worldwide. She is Deanna Williams.
4: It, for me, is a distinct honor to work with a lot of the Philadelphia artists. I have coached and been involved with Meek Mill, with Bree Steves, well, Jill Scott, if we want to go way back. And also, I've worked with p and Rock, I've worked with Dre and Vidal. So I'm very inculcated in the music community in Philadelphia, also as a past president of the Recording Academy, the organization best known as the Grammy organization where I am still on the board and a very active member of our music community. Mm -hmm. So it is thrilling and wonderful when I get to see the people that I've worked with elevate further their climb and know that I had just a little, little something to do with it. It's heartwarming. I'm a good and grown woman with grown kids. I'm a Nana. I have a seven-year-old grandson with Luke Gamble. He's Sunshine. A- He's so cute. Yes, thank you. He really is. He's a very smart, insightful young man. Third generation Gambles. Mm-hmm. Kenny Gamble being my ex and co-partner in the establishment of June Black Music Month. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that rock also originates from Black folks. We don't always get the credit for that and the acknowledgement of it. But thank you Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones and the Beatles who have cited the Muddy Waters and the Little Richards and the Bo Diddleys and the great artists that contributed to the establishment and growth of rock music as well.
3: While you were speaking, it just made me think about visibility. The, the visibility that you not only have, but what you're giving to other people. And with visibility, how that leads to equality. I think about that from a global diversity perspective, and just the mark that you're making and helping others, it's transformative it's just amazing for our city but for just the music scene and that's huge that's huge wow. well thank you Rachel coming from you it's a compliment because you are very
4: aware of the landscape you know what's interesting i was born in new york in queens raised as a small child in the bronx Boogie Dan Bronx. And then as a teenager, I lived in Harlem, which is considered by many to be a mecca for black folks culturally. So that's my combination. However, some years ago, my mama informed me that I was conceived in philadelphia because oh. my father was in the navy stationed at the navy yard so i was like mama when did you think you i mean find time to tell me so uh
1: um, you're originally a philadelphian finally, finally. i
4: am originally we knew we knew okay. we claimed we it know. thank you and yes and i claimed it too before i knew it was official so i made my point of entry spiritually physically <laughs> In Philadelphia, so I am a Philadelphian.
3: Some good TMI. See, that's that love and grit. She, she just yeah. you know, she tells us a little bit more about the love part. <laughs> oh, and I'm sure there was grit involved. Stop in it! The Stop it! wasn't going to go there.
1: What is on your mind when it comes to Black music? Its progress, its evolution, its representation. Like, where, where is on your mind?
4: Well, what's on my mind is I hear and see the melding of genres more than ever before. You know, we've got hip-hop soul, we've got rock and R&B, country artists, African-American country artists, this new crop of the Jimmy Allens, the Britney Spencers, the Mickey Guyton's, that are just dominating in country music now. You have a lot of people who are not happy about it. Those are people who are racist. But <laughs> then the people who are embracers are embracing this new crop. And you know, country music, all music, it's for everybody, it's Black music. Its origins mm-hmm. are in Africa and it spread throughout the diaspora and has been interpreted by different groups of people, including Black people. So yes. to me, if you have a pulse and a level of appreciation, and you are Asian or white or anything other than black, black music is for you as well.
3: And your daughter, she's an artist as well. My daughter, Princess
4: Idea Gamble. Yeah, Princess Idea Gamble. Her album was produced by her father, Grammy award-winning producer, songwriter, architect of the Sound of Philadelphia, Kenny Gamble. So yes, Idea Gamble, a a singer-songwriter. So much talent in this city, and there has been, think about it, we were the first capital of the United States. Considering the Black population that existed at that time, which was quite numerous, Black music was big in this city, and it was played not just for Black constituents. It was the premier music and some of the top musicians right here in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So we have a long storied history Mm -hmm. of Black music and its achievements right here in Philadelphia. Also, the National Museum of African American Music in Nashville, Tennessee. It is in the heart of downtown Nashville.
1: And it should be mentioned that that museum is the only museum in the country that represents all Black music. And that's why it's so special. All, genres, all genres, everything genres, everything that we've contributed right now, yeah. to this thing, yeah.
3: And there's a lot of Philadelphia stories even in that museum as well. Yeah. yeah. Boys oh, to yeah, men, the Rude, Boys to gym. Men. Absolutely,
4: yeah. you're correct about that. Boys to Men, they were the first diamond <laughs> artist to receive that new level in yeah. the music industry. Boys to Men have sold in excess of 10 million units. And they're still together and they're stronger than ever. They had a residency
1: In In Vegas
4: listen, Adam Blackstone, listen from New Jersey, Philly, Delaware. You see him on the Oscars, the Mm Tonys, the Grammys. Adam is of us. so We have a lot to celebrate in our Mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. Lots of talent, lots of excellence.
3: And I love that everyone still stays connected. Like the fact that Adam Blackstone will be at DJ Active's Chill Vibes events or wherever else. They never become too big for our city, our region, our folks. We won't let them,
1: Rachel. It's a part of Philly. We will not let you get too big. We will remind you.
4: And we're very proud of Amir Questlove, <laughs> yes and Thompson, Amir Questlove Thompson, as you know, Juan and Oscar for his yes. incredible documentary "Summer of Soul." You know. I happened to be there; I was a teenager living in Harlem. I went to see Sly and the Family Stone first time. at So,
0: that. what was it like for you to see the movie he produced? Because it's so good, and you were there. So, I'm dying to know what you were thinking.
4: Yeah, I was living for every moment of it because I was there. I was young. But I was there and it took place in Mount Morris Park, my community, where I went all the time. Mm -hmm. So it just resonated with me in a tremendous way. So it evoked childhood memories and also great pride. And because Amir was my intern many, many years (laughs) ago.
1: That's how I met him.
4: yeah.
1: And to see Is so that down. how you guys connected? Mm-hmm. I met, him. I met mm-hmm. him at Deanna's music conference. Deanna used to throw the most amazing music conference, the International Association of African American Music. And yeah, one year he was an intern, the next year he was in the showcase. The next year mm-hmm. he did a they did a tribute to Jazzy Jeff. It was like they grew as I as I am grew. It was kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. But yes, I met him to be specific. I met Quest Love in the line of Deanna's penthouse uh hotel suite where there was an after party for. For the gala and people were waiting in a line to talk to stevie
2: wonder
4: yeah we honored stevie wonder and several she's others. been honoring <laughs> black music
3: forever ever. ever thank goodness
2: thank
4: goodness you. Thank, thank you goodness. And, and, and also praise to kenny gamble because it was his original idea he went yes. to nashville saw what the country music association was doing and said you know what Black music generates billions of dollars. People don't think of black music in those terms, but it is a business and it is one of America's greatest exports. Word, yes. And it is an indigenous art form to our country. We should be very proud. Black music is American music. It belongs to all of us. And I wanna say for the positive upliftment of one's spirit it is an elevated art form that needs to be regarded just like we see paintings or artwork from the great ones stevie wonder Smokey robinson jimmy jam terry lewis Mm -hmm. kenny gamble leon hoff tom bell the great ones we need to view that as an american art form that is distinctly ours
1: so are you ready to inspire that leap that you've been wanting to take When Charisse McGill was told how delicious her French toast is, she was inspired to color outside the lines to create the business surrounding her tasty treats. With help from her farmer's market expertise and inspiration from her daughter, local Artisan Foods was born, and so was Charisse's road toward trailblazing. First black woman to own and operate a food establishment in Spruce Street Harbor, Park. check. First black woman in the state of Pennsylvania to have her own craft beer check and she's just getting started how long have you been doing this now since 2018 so a couple years ago i have a
0: friend who's good to sniff out the new stuff in the city mm-hmm. and was like you have to try these french toast bites and i'm like what are you talking about french <laughs> toast bites?" so he made us start following you on instagram oh sweet what a journey it's been to watch and amazing to watch
5: Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's been quite the ride. You just go with it. You know, I took a leap of faith from being the director of special events at Valley Forge Military College. Great job. I loved it. But I just knew I could be doing something more.
3: Wait a minute. Can we talk a little bit about your background, though? It seems like you mm-hmm. have to know how to present food, how to promote <laughs> food. Like, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's a special skill set that I don't think people would ever really consider if you're not in the food industry yourself?
5: Oh, sure. From like 2012, 13 to 2019, I managed the Lansdale Farmer's Market. That presented a unique opportunity to work closely with independent food producers. And the ones that were doing it right, they were earning six figures. So I'm like, hold up. I think I'm on the wrong side of this tent. So over the years, I've seen businesses start at farmer's markets and end up in Whole Foods, start at farmer's markets and end up in Walmart. So I'm like, I have to take this seriously. So, I have a daughter. She was 12 at the time. She had a lemonade stand in that same farmer's market. She made $5,000 in 14 Saturdays, like 14 weeks.
3: Okay. I'm used to lemonade stands where you see a poster. What was special? Wait, was it an adult lemonade? Like, wait. That was my daughter. She was only 12. Was it the corner she was at? Like, how did we get it there? Like, how did she?
5: So, she was the youngest vendor. And I Mm. told her, lemons aren't local. So, how are you going to make it local? And she said, I'll just use the fruit from the farmers. And that's what she did. So she she started off with mint, fresh mint. So she would go to the farmers, buy their mint. And then as the season went on, it may be peach lemonade the next week. It may be grape. We even did something with grapes. It was delicious. So the farmers ended up either giving her what they call seconds, the fruit that's overripe and they can't sell it. So Friday nights, we would make the lemonade and then she would infuse it for two hours before the customer started to come with whatever (gasps) fruit. So it was like every week. Did she have like a Uh, special name for her lemonade or? It was just local lemonade because it was so much controversy that she was in the farmer's market because lemons aren't local and the rule is your primary product has to be locally sourced and as we know, lemons don't grow in Pennsylvania. Wait
3: a minute, they tried to give baby girl a hard time? (laughs) That's the rule in this town for farmer's markets
1: in general. But she connected Mm -hmm. though. She learned a lot about about being connected to the right people. Uh-huh. Like, I, my mind is blown because i'm like not only is she connected but she did everything before you started doing your thing the five thousand
5: dollars what did you teach her to do with that the farmers market is a different group of people so you have to really speak to their value sets so you got to use like fresh handmade not homemade because that raises flags locally Ooh. sourced so things like that those kind of key terms that speak to people those values that, she kind of mm-hmm. learned it Because she grew up in the farmer's market. I managed it for seven years. She used to slip manure for farmers for change. You know, she was a little girl. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I got jealous again. I'm like, everybody's making more money than me. I'm the manager. So I went back to school in January 2018 to St. Joe's to get the MBA in food marketing. Oh. I I had to take it seriously. I had to understand the open-air food market economy. I had to understand local economies and, like, just being outside as a business model. Because I've seen it work, you know, as close as my daughter. So I'm like, there's something to this. So I just wanted to get a little more education. I had the practical stuff, but I wanted to get the theoretical stuff behind it also.
1: French toast, though. So, How did you get to French toast?
5: Yes. Do you want the politically correct answer? No. Or like the real answer. No. I want no. the Philly answer. We I
1: want the-, the love and grit
5: answer. Yes, the love and grit mm-hmm. answer. Yes. Most of my friends are stoners. So they would say, Cherise, make that French toast. I'm like, what French toast? You know that French toast you make? I'm like, okay. I'll make it. And it's like, you should sell this. This is good, sis. You should sell it. Uh, No one else sells French toast. Nobody.
1: Your batter tends to be closer to a yellow color or a white color.
5: Uh, Closer to a pale yellow. Because we deep fry our French toast. I don't know if you know that. We don't do it on the stove. We deep fry it and drizzle it with our spice. A lot of people make this mistake when they make their French toast. They put the eggs and milk in a bowl and then they start putting the cinnamon and sugar and vanilla in the bowl. What happens is sugar goes all the way to the bottom. The bottom. And, then, and the cinnamon does this weird plateau thing at the top. It's just yeah. weird. So a lot of people end up having super eggy French toast because they're trying to get all of that. They're trying to them. They don't. They they're doing the most. So all you have to do is spat it a little bit and then season it when it's in the pan. It adheres better. You don't have to try to fight for it in the eggs. Mind
1: blown. <laughs> Boom.
5: <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: crazy. Oh, my God. I'm going to go back right. to a couple of years ago when I was first introduced to you. Mm. And. I was like, it just doesn't make sense. They can't be that good,
5: you know. Right, right. <laughs> but they're amazing. And then to watch I'm you go on and them. grow the brand with the beer. That was a fun project that came during COVID. So me being at Sprucey Hopper Park made me the first Black woman to own and operate a mm. food establishment on Penn's Landing in its, at the time, six-year existence. And that was right after the social uprisings. The country was turned upside down, inside out. You guys know this already. Mm -hmm. So it made headlines that the Waterfront Corporation placed me here. It gained the attraction of a guy named Joe from Doylestown Brewing Company. I ain't never even been to Doylestown before. (laughs) But he slid on my DM and said, "I I would like to partner in a beer with you using your French toast spice. I was like, let's do it. So I drove up to Doylestown with my spice in hand, my bites in hand. He tasted it. He said, oh, yeah. I know the flavor notes. We can make a beer. And about eight weeks later, we had a beer. I was very involved in the process. Mm, It was great. What was like
3: (laughs) your favorite part of the whole process and learning when it came to the beer? You know, learning how to
5: make it. It's like one big pot of oatmeal. It's a hot, sweaty process. It's not cute. It's not. (laughs) Don't get your hair done. All the curls going to (laughs) drop. It's a hot process. And I learned a lot of patience. You know, everything we do is quick, 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 quick. And beer takes a long time.
1: I was going to add to all the people listening that you should know that Cherise is the first Black woman to have a beer like this in the state. This is kind of phenomenal.
5: So that was uh, Doylestown Brewing Company. We made the first batch. He thought he made enough for a month. And it sold out in a week. He ran it back. We sold out in a day. That's when Yards kind of stepped in. And now we're in 102 different places. What's
0: the grand plan?
5: The grand plan? I mean, like anybody, you gotta have an extra strategy. When I first started this, I always said I wanted to be the Auntie Anne's of French Toast, and I meant that in every sense. You know, she started those pretzels in the Lancaster Farmers Market, and now I look at her; she's retired in suburban Philadelphia, Did not as know a that. multi-millionaire after she got bought out. So I'm okay with following every step that Auntie Anne <laughs> has done. And I really feel like I'm truly living my purpose. We're intentional about our hiring practices. I'm committed to hiring youth age 16 to 24 from underserved communities yes. and paying them at my lowest paid employee makes 35. Percent more than minimum wage. So I just have those kind of commitments. But I learned that from teaching. I taught at Bucks County Community College and I taught in the city. The only difference between those two students is the access to opportunity.
1: I'm just so appreciative of you and your contributions. I'm hungry now, too. Tell everybody where <laughs> we can follow you.
5: Oh, uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at local artists and foods. That's local with a K. I love, love your
3: energy. I love your entire you. vibe. You know what you Vibes don't lie, Rachel. Y'all. Only a couple
0: more
1: days until
0: we're on the Roots
1: picnic stage again. Oh yes, it is time. This is like one of the biggest events in Philly. And Justin, do you have your fit prepared?
0: No, I have three outfits that I'm choosing among, but I may not go with any of them.
1: How about you? Yeah, I got some real, you know, it's summertime, so I gotta get the shorts, the sneaks. I got my sneak game. Ooh, you didn't even tell me your colors. Listen, I wanted to remind the people too, you should make sure you come to the podcast stage on Sunday to see Love and Grit live because not for nothing, we always have the best free stuff. I'm not bragging, but I'm just saying. I mean,
0: we have the best t-shirts in the world. Come and see us. It's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing you on that stage, girl, and seeing what
1: you're wearing. I can't wait, you guys. So make sure you come out at least on Sunday to see Love & Gold.